0: Thank you very much. Good morning, church. Good to be with you in the Lord's house. If you have a Bible with you, you may want to open uh, with me, if you will, to the 20th chapter of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 20, and I'm going to begin reading in just a moment at verse 17, and we'll conclude uh, down through the passage at some place as time will allow. I have... uh, Look forward to being with you. I'm grateful for the opportunity and certainly for the occasion. Let me take just a couple of minutes to say congratulations to Darren and to his family. And uh, my prayers, of course, will be for your faithfulness in this calling. I'm grateful for the privilege of uh, having had him in class some time ago. He's probably forgotten most of that, but I haven't. (laughs) I get to rehearse it every year. It's not so easy to forget when you have to do that and congratulations to you as a congregation for having called him. I'm I'm thankful, especially for the Lord's leadership in that process and in that journey. Now, I've been told well in advance when to quit, so (laughs) I will keep my comments to a minimum and be as brief as possible. That reminds me of a story I heard told one time by Dr. Habner many years ago. He was recounting the fact that he'd received the same message that the time to stop had been well announced and he intended to keep that appointment. So it reminded him of the time that he went to the doctor with a sore foot and the nurse insisted that he take off all of his clothes and put on one of those ridiculous gowns that no man in this room can possibly tie. <laughs> and he was grumbling and complaining behind the curtain as he took off his clothes and put on the gown and some guy pulled back the curtain and said, what are you complaining about? I came here to fix the ice maker. (laughs) So regimentation can be somewhat uh, demanding, to say the least. There there are many and, and sundry models for pastoral ministry in the time in which you and I live. Most of them would be substandard in my estimation when compared with the standard. Uh, that is, that each of us, all of us who are in Christ, have been called to be ever more like Christ. The Apostle Paul summarized his message and ministry when he said to the Colossians that he was committed to them and would be faithful to them until every man is conformed into the likeness of Christ. And there and that is your calling as a le- leader in the body of Christ to give yourself to the ministry and the mission of helping all of these people become day by day ever more like Jesus. The only model that is suitable of all those from which we might choose is that of Jesus himself. He describes himself as the good shepherd, the great shepherd, and the chief shepherd. And when he did so, he had the backdrop of Ezekiel chapter 37, wherein God said to the shepherds of Israel of the old covenant, I am against you. And then Yahweh goes on to explain why. And the last thing I would want would be for the Lord to stand opposed to me in what I've been called to do. So my challenge, young man, is to pursue Christ in your own life and Christ's likeness in all things and to lead this congregation to do the same thing. And leaving the supreme example, I turn to the next best case, which is the Apostle Paul. And the best way to see a summary of his execution of ministry is to look at a brief autobiographical account that's given to us in the 20th chapter of Acts, beginning at verse 17. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem knowing that many difficult things await him there. But nevertheless, pursuing what he believes to be God's call upon his life. And as he begins the journey, he sails into the little seaport of Miletus. And from there, he sends a commission of others who were traveling with him over to Ephesus about a day's walk to bring back to meet with the Apostle Paul those whom he had served in that church in Ephesus. And in chapter 17, uh, chapter 20 of Acts, in verse 17 and following, we have that narrative in that conversation. Listen as I read. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called him the elders of the church. And when he had come to him, he said, and when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time. Two things to be said from that Verse. The shepherd who is worthy of the title of shepherd is with his people. There is a ministry that takes place that can only take place in the face-to-face, intimate exchanging of life and sharing of life and ministry together. Or as I sometimes say, albeit I don't think my students receive it, you cannot pastor a church on Facebook. (laughs) Tweeting and twitting and twirling and all the other things you can do with your thumbs is not going to meet somebody's need when their life is in crisis. The shepherd is with the people, and Paul identifies the fact that he was with them. And then he goes on to say, you know how I was with you, and it is the how that I wish to have you to give attention to as I continue to read. You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, and notice the sequence of events that he describes, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears. And with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, bound in spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there except the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went out about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Time doesn't allow a full exposition, but notice Darren and notice congregation, a couple of the things that stand out first and foremost. His service, verse 19, was to the Lord. It was the Lord who had commissioned him after having called him, after having chosen him. That encounter on the road to Damascus was no accident and no happenstance. It was the realization of what God had purposed in eternity past. That this man who persecuted the church of Jesus Christ, responsible for many being in prison and for at least we know one being stoned to death, was a chosen agent of service by God himself. That encounter led to a transformation that led to submission and that led to him being, Paul being, above all and foremost, the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every Christian comes to Christ the same way. It's by the work of the grace of God as the gospel is presented and the Holy Spirit convicts and converts. As we're born again by the grace and power and strength of God, we begin the journey of transformation wherein we become ever more like Jesus. This is summarized in the one simple statement in Romans chapter 10 that we confess Jesus as Lord. He is Lord and we confess him as such. Our confession does not make him Lord. Our confession acknowledges him as Lord. And it is every Christian's call and privilege as well as responsibility to do so. That translates to a yielded, surrendered, and obedient life, especially in the life of those who will serve him in the body of Christ, leading that body. There is no question in my mind that the Apostle Paul understood that he was a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ first and foremost. That always translates into Dara, and then anyone who is a shepherd serving the body of Christ but serving first the Lord Jesus Christ Jesus never has made a mistake and he never will he never looks down upon the circumstances or the consequences of his own sovereignty and wrings his hands and says what shall I do (laughs) he has never had to say oops miss that one but would you believe that churches sometimes make mistakes Would you believe that congregations sometimes lose their direction and sometimes misplace their priorities and sometimes find themselves distracted? And Darren has been called to serve you, but not when you're wrong, not when you're in error, and not when you're being misled or wishing to mislead. He is first and foremost a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's to be that way with anyone and everyone who holds that office. But he's to serve the Lord with certain qualities and certain characteristics. First of all, you'll notice after that particular statement, he is to serve the Lord with all humility. There is, I suppose, an explanation for somewhere coming from the realms of the soft sciences of psychology, an explanation for an arrogant preacher, but I haven't found one yet that suits me. An explanation for the self-confident, bold, and daring young person or old person or experienced person or inexperienced person who steps to this podium week after week or steps into the presence of your life and in the circumstances of your life with a sense of self-confidence and certainty that he and he alone is able and capable of meeting every need that exists. That kind of attitude doesn't last long in most Baptist churches. There's usually a couple of old Moss back deacons somewhere that will take care of that pretty quick. (laughs) But with all humility means humility in all things. Humility in preaching. Humility in teaching. Humility in prayer. Humility in mission. Humility in discipleship and devotion. Humility in service. A humility that is characterized not so much of thinking so little of himself as it is of thinking not of himself at all but thinking ultimately of the presence and the person of Christ. A recognition and a realization of who we are with all of our limitations made possible only by the illuminating light of the glory of the master himself. Humility is ascertained by simply looking often at Jesus. And he, you, are to serve the Lord with all humility. The apostle goes on and speaks of tears. And in that particular place, I'd like to camp for just a moment. It is the Apostle Paul who is characterized by many as being the strong, deliberate, intentional, bold, and daring man of iron and steel. And all of that is true. All of those qualities are his. He is indeed a man of great faith, great character, great courage. But he is also a man of great passion. And young man, my charge to you is that you never lose sight of that fact and lose sight of that reality. I ran through the New Testament in a casual way, looking for the number of times the passion of the Apostle Paul is spoken of. And this is what I found. Romans chapter 9, verse 1. I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom belong the adoption as sons and the glory and the covenants of the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises, whose are the fathers and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh, who is over all God blessed forever. The apostle had a passion for lost people his kinsmen, the descendants of Abraham, those who were given the first opportunity of acknowledging Jesus as the Messiah, and those who collectively at least rejected him and turned him away and called for his execution. Great and tragic was the sin of which they were guilty, but the apostles' passion for them had not waned. There was a place in his heart for those who had not trusted Jesus Christ as their lord and their savior i hope that in your prayer meeting tonight someone has a list and on that list would appear the names of your kinsmen your brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and children and grandchildren who do not know and do not profess jesus christ as their lord and their savior any pastor and every pastor who wishes to be like jesus needs to come in the company of the master and look out over the masses and weep for them seeing them as sheep without a shepherd seeing them as lost and unregenerate one cannot be near to Christ and not care about people who do not know him i pray this will be your passion in second corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4 the apostle paul speaks again of the time that he weeps he says and i read for out of much affliction and anguish of heart i wrote to you with many tears Not so that you would be made sorrowful, but that you might know the love which I have especially for you. The Corinthians, the church that is constituted of and made up of that mass multitude of people who have come from the community that would be known by its diversity of language and culture. Every ism in the world was there. Every false god was there that one could imagine. Every practice of immorality was there. Everything that could be wrong in human life and human society accumulated itself in the city of Corinth. And into that culture, the apostle had walked with his passion for the unregenerate and announced the good news. And many of that pagan culture had come to know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. But they had never grown from their infancy. They were still children in the faith. They were babes in Christ. And the Apostle Paul, no doubt, had that tearing at his heartstrings when he wrote to them and said, I wrote to you, and indeed you read the letter. It is firm, it is strong, it is direct. But it is also the letter penned by a man whose heart was broken for those who had not grown up in the faith. Needless to say, Brother Darren, you will meet many who know him who but have never grown beyond that immediate and instant moment of being born again they still struggle in their immaturity once again i find in paul's letter to the church at philippi in philippians chapter 3 and verse number 18 this passage that refers to his passion for the regenerate for many walk of whom i often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ this moved the Apostle beyond anger and beyond judgment and beyond any would-be retaliation to a brokenness in his spirit in his heart that he could not contain the enemies of the cross abound those who would say to us that in the day in which you and I live that are that all religious faith Must be modified to meet the standards of contemporary culture. That is an enemy of the cross. And that person is an enemy of the cross. Whoever they may be. Those who would say to us there are many ways to God. And your way is one way. And our way is another way. That is an enemy of the cross. Anyone who would suggest to you that there may be some other gospel. Other than the good news of Jesus Christ. Is an enemy of the cross. I must confess to you that sometimes my heart grows angry. And I want to lift my voice as loud as I can lift it. I I want to press the keys on the board of of the computer which I sit in front of so long and say with all the angst and all the anxiety and all the anger of my soul, this is wrong, this is heresy, this condemns, this brings judgment and damnation. But only can I say that and say it as it should be said when I say it with tears in my eyes and brokenness in my heart. So the Apostle Paul gives us the example of serving the Lord with humility, with tears. Quickly, and I'll close with this. I I don't want to, but I will. In summary, in verse 20 and verse 27, may I? How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. And teaching you publicly from house to house. Verse 27. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. The purpose of God is what is profitable. The thoughts and the intents of contemporary culture. Would amount to only the consequences of the thoughts and the intents of contemporary culture. But the purpose of God is eternal in its outcome. Eternally profitable in its proclamation. It is transformative in its power and its impact. It is everlasting in its consequences. Now, young man, you have a long time to serve. Every time somebody reads that bio, I want to say, well, 23, 24, whatever it was, 27 years, that was 22 years ago. (laughs) I I keep going as long as I can go, but it's well over four decades, and I'm wondering how much longer the Lord is going to tolerate my stumbling and my laziness. You got a long way to go you have many things to say say them as they are the purpose of god deliver whatever is profitable to your congregation and whatever the purpose of god may be is the profitable and i could go on and on and on but i've already gone past the time i allowed myself how come i'm not surprised Brother Darren, God bless you. I love you. I will pray for you. I will sit with you anytime you wish to sit. I will talk. I'll give you the best answer I have, and we'll pray some. I'm going to be right. Amen? Thank you. Congratulations to you. (coughs) It's me again. Um, We'd like to uh, have uh, Darren and Natalie (laughs) come forward and uh, we'd like to uh, lay hands on them as a church, as a body, and uh, Nelson will lead us in prayer, so would you all like to come on down? Right that can do.
1: as close as you can. Just standing like this is is a bonding experience. Hand on somebody else's shoulder and somebody's hand on your shoulder. Pray with me. Lord God, we just come now And we ask for your blessings upon this union. This union of Pastor Darren being the pastor of Tower View Baptist Church. And the congregation of Tower View Baptist Church being led by Darren and being led by Christ. Lord, help us to remember that you are constantly with us, Lord. You were with us in the past. You were with us today. You will be with us tomorrow. And that as we continue on our journey to serve you, that we will continue now with the leadership of of Darren upon this church, Lord. And as you continue his ministry, that his ministry at Tower View begins. As he serves you as the pastor of this church. And so we ask for guidance and we ask for blessings, Lord, upon the congregation and upon Darren we just pray for darren and his family as they make this transition transition here to tower view that they will be welcomed with open arms and with warm hearts and with warm words help us as a congregation never cease to pray for him and to pray for his family and his children and his wife as they minister here to pray for his leadership in meetings and in discussions and in counselings. Pray for the words that he speaks as he preaches each and every week. And Lord, I pray for us as a congregation that we will listen. Listen with an ear to the Bible and an ear to Aaron Darren, Lord, that you can that we can between the two, Lord, that we can follow you. And that we can grow not just in numbers but to grow in each one of us, in our hearts, in our spirit, as we work grow with God. That we will, our spirits will grow and that we will grow from immature to more mature as we go in this path of life. Because you are the mighty God in whom we serve. This church and this pastor right now is a temporary thing. You are eternal. You are the mighty God. And we just ask all your blessings on us on Darren and on this congregation now and forevermore. In Jesus' holy name and all God's children said, Amen. Amen.